here today with uh, Cam Carter, a, a, a long-time friend um, who is the founder of Navagare, and we're going to have a conversation around uh, high-performance relationships and uh, something that uh, Cam knows very well, and more importantly about what it actually takes for people to develop and maintain high-performance high relationships. So thanks, Cam, for taking the time. The first point I have is um, what are the attributes in your mind of high-performance uh, teams or relationships between advertisers and agencies? Okay. Um, I, I hijack just for a moment, Darren, uh, and anyone who doesn't like what I'm about to say really shouldn't breed any further. Uh, it'll be a waste of their time. The fact is, and it is a fact, that high performance requires, um, actually demands, a commitment to high maintenance. If you're not prepared to invest in and stay committed to um, a principle and a practice of maintenance in any relationship, doesn't matter whether it's commercial or personal for that matter, then walk away because you will never get high performance, doesn't matter whether it's at an elite athlete level or from a fast car or a sailing yacht or anything, unless you've got a regime built on high maintenance principles. So first off, you've got to have high maintenance, okay? It's the driver. The attributes of, of high-performance advertiser and agency teams, well, they're, they're, there's a raft of them, but if we just look at, say, three in the first instance, um, there's courtesy, respect, and inclusiveness. Um, they're they are old-fashioned concepts. You and I have talked about this. If everyone isn't treating each other with courtesy and if they are not treating each other with respect and if that respect isn't being earned and if that doesn't manifest itself in an inclusive behaviour pattern then it'll be shot. Um, inclusiveness leads to what I think is, is a important second aspect of, of attributes and that is setting and sticking to clear expectations and shared standards. What we find continuously and depressingly continuously, and I'm sure you do too in your uh, uh, professional business, is that the partners actually don't know what, what is expected of them. They think they know, but they haven't actually been specified and determined. They are rarely refreshed when something is established. There's no recognition of the fact that Times change, needs change, circumstances change, and therefore everyone's expectations change. And if that is missing, then everyone's on a, on a path to failure. It's, I mean, it's just nonsense. It's, it's really interesting you say that, because one of the things that always cracks me up when a marketer phones me up and says, oh, I've got to get a new agency, and you, we always explore what has gone wrong to work out whether they really do need a new agency. And the... the they often say, well, they're not delivering to expectation. And my next statement question is, well, have you actually articulated what your expectation is? And it's almost like I've hit them between the eyes with a hammer because there's this dumbstruck look on their faces. Because I think going back to your first point that you made, which is that so many people think relationships just happen. Mm. 
So they don't take the time to articulate expectations because somehow we delude ourselves that you don't have to. People will know that we're mind readers. You know, we don't have to articulate our specific expectations and agencies should just naturally know. Look, you are so right. Presumption and assumption um, kill it. But what we also find exactly, and, and, and we follow the same professional practice, um, our commitment like yours is, is to business continuity. I, I want us to talk a little more about that later on. But the stronger it is, the longer it lasts. That's the truth. And the longer it lasts, the more both parties and every individual within those elements benefits from it. Okay? Everyone. And that includes the customer, by the way, or the client, or whoever it is at the end of the food chain. But what we find is not only do the CMOs or whoever's on the other end of the phone or across the table not actually know if their counterparts understand and, and recognize what the expectations are. There is no consistency of expectation within their organization because the CMO, when we ask them, define the expectations and by the way, rank them, give them an, a, a hierarchy of importance because you know there'll be a, a, a stack of things, say 10 things, 15 things, 20 things, that may ultimately be assessed. And they are there because they are all important, but they are not equally important. So there's, there needs to be a recognition and awareness of, of these things. These are the most important. It is always a revelation to the other side, but the greatest revelation is inside the client body. Because then if we have the conversation with Tier 2, Group 2 executives within the client, let alone Group 3, and they are tomorrow's leaders, what we find is that there is no consistency of shared expectation and the understanding of what's required and what is allowed with the partner inside the organisation. Well, that's a formula for failure because the poor agency in that respect is trying to serve you at your level with your expectations and they are going to dramatically fail at a op lower operational level because those people are probably not at all interested. So, so in terms of shared expectations, you're absolutely right. First off, what the devil are they? Secondly, and does anyone else know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because uh, you know the number of times we've seen this concept of, of uh, high-performing teams be discussed, and yet even to get agreement across an organisation about what a high-performing team looks like, you know that uh, for at a certain level within an organisation, a high-performing agency would be one that is very much uh, proactive and challenging. And then at a lower level, it's more does what I tell them to do. You know, and, and unless you actually get that alignment about what high performance looks like, how could anyone, any agency, actually meet the expectations of being a high performance team if you don't know what the performance is? You, you metaphor before about you know, an athlete. An athlete knows the time that they have to beat in the 100 metres or the 1500 metres to be world class. But agencies are never even given the goal or the objective of what they're meant to achieve. Well, and, and, and following on, grabbing that and running with it, they also don't know whether they're performing and competing at club level or state level or national level or on the international stage. And by the way, world champion is not Olympic champion. Exactly. They are two yeah. entirely different things. Um, I spent a lot of years sailing and... Um, 
you know, for some of the boats that I sailed on, um, say from here heading south, uh, the definition of high performance was probably fastest. Mm -hmm. First, yeah, fast gave you a shot of being first. But I also did some little square rig sailing ships across the Atlantic with the Columbus Queen Centenary. And high performance definition for those was getting there safely. Yeah. Okay. That was the measure of high performance. Just finishing is good enough. <laughs> well, getting there. And when you think of it, you know, in the, in the days of the clippers, yes, with the wool clip sailing from, say, Adelaide to, to Dover, the first in got the best price. But it didn't get the best price if it got in with damaged goods. Mm. So the first clipper that got in with its cargo intact and commanded a premium, that was high performance. Okay. So it's the understanding of what's high performance. No one's interrogating that enough mm. because it's just lazy language. That's preceded professionally looking at and making damn sure that that performance is in fact pegged to and measured against a higher purpose. Now that higher purpose is going to be commercial or political or social but it will have it will come from the CEO the CEO has got a contract to the board and the CEO passes some of that on to the CMO some to the CFO IO and and the rest of them the production guys but high performance has to be pegged back to okay what purpose is being served here because it's no use building a Porsche, giving it to a P-plater, when actually what you want is a Fiat 500 to run down to the shops once a day. Okay. So, so that's about, uh, first of all, alignment, aligning the organisation, the marketing and the agencies. It's to sharing what is the and share, share and cohesion. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And then the second is being fit for purpose. Yes. Because, you know, and, and I think both of us have seen some... Uh, well, probably in hindsight, tragic examples of where marketers have gone off and engaged agencies to fulfil a higher purpose, when actual fact their culture and their, their requirements are actually less than the agency. So the old, they bought a racehorse, a thoroughbred, to pull the milk cart. Yeah, and, and, and Darren, it's, that's, that's not a statement anchored in the past. It's, it's, it's a statement anchored today because it is happening today. I had conversations earlier where that was specifically the topic of conversation. Now, at the time that the agency was, was appointed and retained and embraced, what was required of them and needed from them was perfectly geared to, to what needed to be done. Okay. But what had changed was, was that what needed to get done had moved on okay? because market forces and circumstances in fact were pushing this particular marketer into a different direction but he still had, was working with that agency and the pain was starting to show. Um, there's a resolution to that because in this instance in fact the agency is capable of responding and re-gearing but that means that everyone's got to be mature and sophisticated and just pragmatic enough to sit down at the table and say those terms and those specs and that definition of our need and your reward and return have now changed so let's have a quick conversation redefine it recalibrate it and move on so so there's a solution to it there's a solution to everything of course you see that a lot uh, cam when a uh a company appoints a new CMO or marketing director 
And one of the things they'll often do is that they've been appointed because they believe that, you know, the old strategy wasn't working or it needed a refresh. And they'll come in and the very first thing they do is change all the agencies because it's a visible thing for them to do very quickly. When actual fact, they're throwing out all of the existing, you know, knowledge and uh, integrity that's often held within these relationships to do it. Um, And the other thing is, even if they give the incumbent agency a chance to to prove that they're fit for purpose, they'll actually, I find they set them up for failure because they won't articulate what their strategy is. They'll just allow them to sort of flop around trying to find out what the expectations are. Going back to your point before about it's very, very important to actually get alignment around expectations. Yeah, it is. And and look, I'm sympathetic to new, well, new CMOs, but even new CEOs coming in because I have, I cannot think of an instance where that occurs, where their superior, the board for the CEO or the CEO for the CMO, has said, I don't want you to change a thing, I just want you to keep this going. Nobody ever says that. Because when there is there is new talent or a new party involved, they get a new brief. And how that brief then is translated and migrated inside that organisation as well as outside the organisation is critical in those early days. Uh, what you're talking about, I call it the snack. Others call it you know, early evidence in the first hundred days. Um, we live in a, a, the days we live in are driven by short termism, and too many people expect too much too quickly without really figuring out whether or not that's viable or realistic or sustainable. But the pressure is on everyone to demonstrate something. And for those who may not have the experience or the sophistication, change is seen to be an adequate demonstration. And it's not, because change itself isn't the lagging indicator. Well, activity... Yeah. Actually, evidence of industry. Yeah, uh, yeah. supersedes actually results. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> so, so look, you've you've built a very successful and sustained business around helping marketers and agencies develop these high-performing relationships. Okay, yeah. and, and as have you, and and a core to that is the tools of the trade, which are things like surveys and evaluations. Now, I wanted to explore that a little bit because I have to say, when we talk to clients, there's, there seems to be one group of thinking which is, it's all about the tool, and then the other group is, we don't need the tool because we just do this naturally. I'd be really interested in your thoughts and from your years of experience as to what is the role of, say, surveys and evaluations, because there are a plethora of different tools out there, aren't there? There is. Um, And and for anyone reading this, and I hope uh, this gets through the edit, um, uh, it, it should be noted that whereas we share common views and common standards across the board, uh, we do compete in areas, and that's a good thing. And but that competition provides something of great value to, to our market, uh, and the only reason that we compete is that we're both earning respect, uh, which is a good thing. I say that because I'm going to quote you. This is about five years ago. You gave 
meal line that, that um, I use to this day with great pride because we were talking about our agreement on things and, and our happy and healthy competition in the marketplace. And you said to me, you know what, you are not known for what you do, you are known for what you do with it. And so are you. Okay. The, but, but I use that line and I attribute it to you because there's no greater line than, than somebody that you're, you're running you. against in a race. But it, it, it indicates and defines what you've just raised and it's your language as well. They are only tools. Okay. The tool needs to be applied because nothing's going to be actually undertaken with any professionalism unless you deploy a, a, a range of tools. Surveys are merely one of them. Okay, But unless you deploy those tools, you are not going to acquire the evidence. And that evidence serves two purposes. It must influence the judgment of management. And once management has made a judgment and then moved on to make a decision, it supports that decision. So the evidence influences judgment, supports the decision. And it's not what is there. The really, real issue is what follows. It's what sits behind it. Why is that the case? Where is that the case? When is that the case? Because until you apply those diagnostics and they are not mechanized, they are born of experience in the sector, which is marketing and advertising, but experience, specific experience in this field, until that's applied, then all you've got is more evidence of industry and it is wasteful. Now, we happen to be enemies of waste. Mm, absolutely. That's so, so it's probably my science background, but I, I uh, articulate very much the, the, the same approach. I say to people, the tool, the survey, the evaluation is like a diagnostic tool for medicine. I can do a MRI scan and the results will show me a dark spot on your brain or in your lung or on your liver. But it won't tell me what it is def definitively and what I need to do about it in the way of therapy. Oh. So it's not until you go in, it will identify that there's a spot there and that's all it is. There's a spot on a scan. I then have to go in and do further study to work out exactly what sort of... Is it a tumour? Is it a malignant tumour? Is it a benign tumour? What are the possible outcomes? And then I can then start to talk about what therapeutic steps we need to take. Well, if I'd, any, yep. because it could be that there's a problem there, but it's actually not a real problem, so we don't have to waste our time with it at all. I agree, I agree, I agree. I think you've missed something. Um, What's I that? too use a medical analogy. My background is biological sciences and psych. Okay, so we have the same. Mm -hmm. Mine is different to yours because of what you, you studied and went on to do. But like you, and Trinity P3 and Navigari, we are a bunch of people, if you like, they are the radiographers. Okay? They are taking the picture, they are posing that person and, and, and they know where the machine should go and the angle of, of presentation. They are taking as, as smart a picture as possible and they do it with 360 scans and whatever the equipment. But what you are and what I am is we are radiologists. And in the first instance, when we look at 
that data, that evidence, those films, those scans, we actually recognize something. A radiographer might say there's a spot there, but a radiologist will immediately be able to hypothesize what sort of spot and whether or not there's something else there and whether it's a primary or a secondary, what are they looking for? That's the skill and it is a great skill and it is not easily assumed and it is hard earned and then you can become prescriptive about this is what needs to be done. Okay, So I think the thing that you miss is the radiologists and the knowledge of recognition and of understanding mm -hmm. this may well indicate this. Okay, That's actually the beginning. Because well, then I, you're I, looking behind. Yeah, I think I think that's probably because um, we haven't limited ourselves to the diagnosis. We also have surgeons, and yes. uh, yeah, and and we yes. will then go through yes. a very detailed um, uh, therapeutic regime. Yes. Beyond just the diagnosis, yeah. so that's probably. And, and look, I'll, I'll admit, uh, some of our competitors have said to me that that makes it provides a conflict for us. I just see it as a full service hospital. <laughs> yeah, and, we and, just don't take Medicare. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and look, I agree with you. But different analogies. This is this is enjoyable. Navigari is is all about navigation. We're looking for the indicators out there that there's danger there and that there's clearance here and there's a good channel, whatever it might be. But um, uh, what we're doing with all of that in, in terms of looking for where to go is the, the definition of, of our role, okay? Um, and back to the sailing thing, is that we're not like the major consultancies as they used to be. They are changing. Okay, and, and so they should. But I always, uh, I always compared them to d dispatchers. That at the big end of town, be it McKinsey or Boston or whoever it might be, they would spend a lot of time coming up with a sailing plan and they'd walk around down to the dock and they'd hand it over the gun on and say, here's your sailing plan, follow it, good luck, try and get there first. Okay. Now the difference with Navigari and what you're saying, and, and it's true, the difference with Trinity P3 is, is that I work out the plan and go back and step on board. I say, now it's not my ship and I'm not the skipper and I'm not the first mate and I'm not the first officer. I'm here to serve you as a navigator. To, to, well, uh, to extend you. that, you're the pilot, aren't you? There you're we go. the pilot that will get them into the safe dock. And then get off? Yeah. And hand exactly. them back to them. Yeah. Exactly. And you're the same. So it is, there's a conclusion, and if we go back to the earlier conversation of is the tool the answer, no it isn't. It's the beginning, and it is a long way removed from being the point and the purpose of it. Okay. So, so it's interesting then that some marketers especially will think that they can do this without any sort of tool or, or discipline <laughs> at all. And, and you know, you, you laugh. Oh, no, but I, I do. I, what, I elite have... what elite athlete can you name or team or machine, okay, does it because it is self-managed, self-driven, self-monitored, self-assessed, self-diagnosed, self-motivated? There are no examples. I can do it myself. 
I'm happy, I'll pick up the phone and tell them when I'm not happy. It is blithe, if not willful, if not criminal, ignorance. It's unacceptable. And it probably goes back to this false belief that it should just happen anyway. There is this, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of marketers and even agencies believe that you know, it, the relationship will just manage itself. You'd hope, but it is not the fact. That's right. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not a problem because every problem's got a solution. If there is no solution to a problem, the problem isn't a problem, it's a fact. And you can't solve a fact, you manage it. The thing is, is that the fact is, is that you cannot take anything for granted. You cannot be sanguine about something that happens to be humming at the moment and believe with any sort of knowledge commitment, that that will be the case in a day, a week, a month, or a year. Without maintenance, without attention, and without care and attention, something will change and you won't like it. So that gets me on to the next point I wanted to discuss with you. Which a lot is, of points. Yeah, well, and, and this <laughs> is that, you know, the first obstacle seems to be to overcome the belief that it's, you know, they don't need management, whereas clearly they do. If you're going to achieve high performance, as you pointed out, you need the training, you need the management, you need to monitor to help improve. The second part is that we still see, especially in Asia and even in the US, a lot of marketers who only want to do their evaluation one way, which is the marketer gets to score the agency, but they don't like the idea of the agency scoring the marketer. Yeah. Now, what I know that from your experience, as we discussed earlier, that doesn't seem to be prevalent, but what do you think the underlying drivers are of that behaviour? Oh, I, I, I think I know, um, and I'm... Um, uh, I'm disappointed, almost aghast, that that, that still prevails. Um, in the mid-90s, when I founded Navigari, the I founded it for agencies. Um, it, it took me a couple of years to figure out that, in fact, I was talking to the wrong constituents. It needed to be the marketers, uh, which disappoints me still. But I found it for the agencies because when I was running multinational agencies here, we were party to one-way only surveys, particularly from the multinationals. Um, they were geared to the lowest common denominator because they wanted a common platform in all markets, regardless of sophistication or maturity. So it, it, it was so dumbed down, it wasn't funny. Um, and I just really um, did not believe in that at all. And with local clients in those multinationals, when we got close enough, uh, as, as me heading the agency and them heading their businesses, for them to agree, they couldn't do anything about it because it was head office driven. Um, the fact that 20 years later, that is still the case is unacceptable, quite frankly. The only reason it exists is that the real intention is to use the tool and whatever is discovered as a, as a punitive tool. 
is to dominate and dictate to the agency when the agency has no voice. It's a kangaroo court, really, um, where, where you can mount no defence and you can provide no context and you can provide no contribution whatsoever in, to changing things for the better. So where that still exists, it, it should be a matter of shame for the clients who allow it to exist. That's a fact. But, you know, I said before, we don't come across it a lot because, like you, the clients that ring us ring us because they want two-way. We, we haven't been asked to only run a one-way private assessment of agencies for years. We don't do it. I mean, I say to yeah, anyone, and 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 if you want to do it, because, yeah. you know, to use a metaphor, it's like the judges at the Olympics. They sit there and they score the performance of the agency yes. by holding up the scores out yes. of 10. Yes. And that's, there's no, as you say, there's no uh, chance to challenge from the agency's part, that for the agency to challenge the, the judge on the score that they're given. You mentioned two-way relationships. Um, it's really interesting because I've now heard of two um, uh, clients, major global clients, that use a two-way system, but they pay the agency a bonus only on the score they give the agency. So they've created no, a... No, no, hold on. You've got to factor in the other side of the yeah, point. But, but, but they've created the illusion of being collaborative. Yeah. And then made it punitive by only using their score of the agency to actually give the bonus to the agency. So what they're denying, mitigating circumstances. It's not about the mitigating circumstances, it's purely their score of the agency. But, <laughs> yeah, because uh, what I was going to say well, was... Well, that's flawed. Yeah, because <laughs> my experience is that the clients that only want one-way scores, uh, scoring, or one-way evaluation, are not collaborative. They are purchases of services, and they are the buyer, and very much the agency is the supplier. Yeah. Okay? And, and when you read all of the research that the, um, uh, the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit has done on collaboration, collaboration requires the three things that you said at the very start, which is courtesy, respect and inclusiveness, plus trust. Yes. You cannot collaborate unless you trust each other. Yeah, but, but trust is, is, well, it's the ultimate thing, it's a lagging indicator, but until I like you, mm -hmm. I am unlikely to be inclined to respect you and to allow you to earn my respect. And until I like and respect you, I am highly unlikely ever to trust you. That's, that's the, the social contract. It's the emotional one, it's the psychology yeah. of it. Um, so yes, tr trust is, is, is the grail, if you like, um, that, that you need to aim for. But it's got to be earned, and, and it takes time to earn it. And there's got to be consistency of demonstration. So, yeah, courtesy, respect, inclusiveness will lead to trust. And that's the whole point and the purpose of it. The, but if we, if we come back to, to denying um, or, or refusing or... Ignoring. Uh, ignoring. <laughs> the mitigating circumstances. The agency assessment of the client... 
there are, you know, our conversations with, with clients, um, uh, no, I'll back up. There's two points. There are circumstances where when we are called in, we may well counsel the agency particularly to say, hold off for the benchmark. Listen and learn and just understand what's going on at the client level. Don't contribute to a counterpoint or a counter view. Just listen. Keep your mouth shut. Sit at the table before you open up your mouth and say yes, but. Okay? Because there is much to be gained from paying that respect and extending that courtesy to the client to say, you know what, before we come back to you with a counterpoint, let's hear the point. And so there, there are a number of circumstances where we counsel that that is a wise thing to do because you learn and it establishes a benchmark. And then the agency is able to come back in and then link its assessment criteria, not just to the client's criteria and parameters, but to the circumstances because now they have a lot of knowledge about what's going on at the various levels and from the various units within the client body because they're always complex. It's never just a number. Right? There is, there's, there's a wealth of indicators that sit behind the one number. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is we then sit and talk to both parties and say, we want you to discuss this. It may be debate this, but in the first instance, let's hope it's a discussion. It is not a case of he who goes first is the weakest. Okay? It's not who's blinking first. He or she who goes first, in fact, is the most mature, has the soundest and best grounded ego in the room. And it starts with the client. Because until clients themselves are operating at their peak performance, they will never get peak performance out of an agency. Client behavior, client performance, and client efficiency, effectiveness, and excellence dictates what they get. It starts with the clients. And those clients who understand that and respond to it and actually then do something with, with what the tool spits out in the first instance because they understand how to interpret it and, and invite us to, to work with them on that. They are the ones that achieve greater things faster. Hmm. Okay. So, so yeah, to me, which means that they've got to listen. Yeah. They've got to learn. So the agency side must be factored into it. This goes it's critical. Goes back to the whole concept of co-creation. Yes. You know that this is not a buyer-supplier relationship because the outputs of the agency are directly impacted by the inputs and participation of the marketer. Yeah, and, and look, we won't get into this. It's, it's for another two hours somewhere else. Um, I'm not too sure about collaboration. I think it's one of those words that has been hijacked by far too many people, and we all assume we know what it means, and we all assume that people understand the positive intimations, connotations of it. I mean, one definition of c collaboration is the unnatural alliance of natural enemies. Um, and, and, you know, post-war, whoever collaborated with the losing side is in for a really rough, tough time. There are no, you get no prizes for that. Um, but it, it, it certainly is a co-word. It's cooperation or collegiate or 
consultative, but but co co creation mm. is 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 does it for me. But when well, until that occurs, then you know the highest ambitions will never be satisfied, never be achieved, never be reached at all. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still bemused by the fact that the agency side is still not respected and not factored into their performance. Because if a client isn't listening to what the agency has to say, they are denying themselves the knowledge of how they might be better. And stronger. So, so this, I mean, I mentioned the whole remuneration component, and yeah. the, and and so many. In fact, yeah, we, uh, there's one of our competitors in the marketplace has done a very good job at selling their software solution in by linking it to performance bonuses. Now, I, I'm interested because yeah, if it's used in a way that only one side. So it's actually being used to punish the agency rather than reward the agency. What's your general um, uh, principle or what are your thoughts around linking relationship performance to uh, financial bonuses? Because I think we may have a disagreement here. Um, big question. The Most of the current models which exist out there and, and the caveat here is I have no knowledge of the various, many and various different financial models that exist across the board. Okay. Um, so, so I will talk about those that I have either experienced myself over the years or that I'm familiar with at the moment. Okay. Yep. But it's a big caveat. Fair enough. The those which are geared to withheld agency revenues are flawed. Okay, if I enter into terms of business and a contract with you, which for metric convenience says I'm going to buy this from you. This is what I expect to be delivered when and how, and I'm going to pay you $120. Um, but by the way, I want you to um, have skin in the game. This is the ridiculous language that's being used. I want you to have skin in the game. And so we're going to have a, a, a deal here. I'm going to let's withhold 10% of that 120. So I'm going to keep 12 up my sleeve. And at the end of the year, the year, if I think that you've done a good job, I'll give you the $12 that I've been holding back from you. And if I think you've done a terrific job, I'll give you another 12. Oh, that much. Usually it's only six. No. <laughs> and, the, and the 10 down and the 10 up is, is not unusual. Okay. Um, that's ridiculous. Well, I always say An to... An employee the, would not yeah, work I say on that, that to, basis. I say okay. that to every procurement person. Would okay. you do this personally on your salary? But, but no employee does do it. No. Employees are employed at a price to do a job and they are progressively assessed and if they've done that job, they might get a bonus. 
Yeah, on top of. Yes. Not, it, and it is a bonus. Yeah. Okay? It's an uplift. And if they've done a superlative job, they probably get a whopping great bonus. And it's the whopping bit of it that needs to be brought to the agency table. Because there are agencies out there who are doing sensational jobs in partnership with their clients. And there's evidence to attest to that. And I have no idea, but they should be on a whopping bonus okay. because they've contributed to client wealth. Well, um, I've just noticed the time. We've run what out is of the time. time. Oh, have we? Yeah, we've got. Uh, so, Good um, I want to absolutely thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights because that was a terrific conversation. Is there anything that you wanted to final finally sum up with? Um, Thank you for that. I too have enjoyed it, even though it's been um, uh, an across-the-table general agreement on all matters. Um, but, but out of that agreement, there should be learning. It, it starts with the client, the marketer. They control the destiny of their relationship more than anyone else. They are in charge, in control, and they can define anything they like. If we go back to the opening words is and, and, and aspect of the conversation is you can achieve and have high performance, you've got to have high maintenance. High maintenance doesn't actually mean that it's going to demand a huge amount of you. It's just that you are there all of the time and you have got an active awareness and an active interest in your team being at high performance levels and therefore getting high performance levels out of the agency. Out of that will come high performance results. I can guarantee that. Absolutely. I, 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 um, I, let me sum that up. The golden rule. The man with the gold makes the rules. If I meet a marketer that is unhappy with the performance of any of their agencies, it is usually because they forgot to make the rules that work. Very true. And the performance of that golden rule is, is you know, if, if they've got the money, to remind themselves the first place they spend the first cut of their budget is on their team. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You're welcome.